We are in a series called uh, How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse, and what we've been talking about is this idea that the end of the world is coming. We don't know when it is. For those of you who are really into the end times, uh, I just, I just, even this week, I spoke with three people that are positive that Jesus is coming in their lifetime, and uh, their lifetime is, uh, is in the third trimester. But my point is... My point is that you think about that, you watch the news, and uh, maybe there's going to be a nuclear war with Russia, and uh, maybe an asteroid's going to hit us now that we have the big telescope up in the sky, we can see stuff coming from farther away. I don't know how it's going to end, maybe it's rising sea levels, whatever. All I know is this, is that no matter how the world ends, we're going to need the same bunch of skills regardless of how it happens or when it happens, and just a little spoiler alert, you kind of need these skills anyway. And so we uh, started the first week, and we talked about the idea that God's timing is completely different than our timing. So to God, a day we saw was a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. He doesn't think like you and I do. And so we'll see and hear that Peter says to his church, the end of all things is near, right? Well, that was 2,000 years ago. So we're sitting around here going, oh, man, you've been saying that for a long, long time. But for the Lord... It was just two days ago that Peter wrote this thing, right? And for you and me in my life, our average lifespan, according to God's economy of a day being a thousand years and a thousand years being a day, you are going to live statistically 1.92 hours. And so our life is very, very brief. It's very, very short. And so we talked about that in the first week. The second week, we talked about the importance of community. Biblical community, not, not your, your fantasy football league, okay? That, that's not that community. Although that community is very important, and I intend to win mine this season. But that is an important community. But it's not a biblical community, one where you are walking with the people around you through thick and thin, one where you can hear about the mistakes they've made and still know because you were saved by grace that you extend that grace to them. That is biblical community. And then last week, we talked about the idea of persecution and how in America we've gotten off pretty easy historically, okay, depending on which group you're in. But compared to the world, we've gotten off pretty good as far as our Christianity is concerned. And the Bible is very clear that if you're a follower of Jesus, there will come a time when you will be persecuted. And so we talked about how to handle those things. We talked about six things you can do to be able to handle persecution. Well, this morning, I want to talk about perspective. At the end of the world, uh, most likely you, you'll be freaking out, okay? Whether it's zombies or it's uh, an asteroid coming, uh, you'll be freaking out. And uh, one of the things that changes in your life, no matter from the time you're a little kid till the time you're m much older, is perspective. And you've probably seen this before. If you were um, a, a little kid, so I grew up, we didn't have any money. And so my perspective of government help uh, is positive because we needed, uh, I was on a lunch program and all that kind of stuff. And, and so if you've never received that, maybe your perspective of go the government helping is a, a, a different way. Maybe you had a perspective of how to raise kids. And you said, when I raise kids, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be very, very patient. And then you had kids. 
And what happened? Your perspective changed, right? And then you say, oh, when I get married, oh, my goodness, when I get married, it's going to be the love of my life, and we're going to wake up, and uh, our hair is going to look beautiful, and we're just going to be amazing, and he's going to be amazing, or she's going to be amazing, and we're just going to, we're going to be that old couple that holds hands on the beach. They're just holding each other up, by the way, come to find out. Uh, and so you're just going to be that romantic couple or whatever, and then what? You get married, and you're like, my goodness, this dude, if I could just smack him, okay, right? I don't know. I'm speaking for women, I guess. But, but you, you change your perspective, right? And as you age, you change your perspective. So I have a picture of my lovely granddaughter. Yeah, hey, so it's never going to stop now that I'm a grandfather. All it is, basically, the sermon is just pictures of my kids. Okay, my grandkids. So this is Annie. Um, <laughs> That's her. Probably could have picked a better picture, maybe. But this represents America to me right now. Uh, just upset about everything, right? Now, I'll just give you a little bit of backstory. Oh, by the way, this got so bad, the injustice, whatever th this injustice is, it got so bad that this is what it turned into. <laughs> you ever had a day like that? You started out on a Monday and you're like, this is going to be my week. Yes, I'm going to do great. And then you go to work and your boss shows up and you're like, <laughs> and oh, you fall. This is something. Okay, now, just, just to put it into perspective, because we're going to be talking about perspective. Uh, she's in Hawaii right now. <laughs> right? Why did you laugh? Because you're like, come on. And what could you cry about in Hawaii? Exactly, Right? And she's crying, and they're on vacation. And so my daughter sends this picture, Annie loves Hawaii, right? <laughs> okay. I'll give you another. Uh, but, but, but you know, and I know, that as she, we, we say, that's okay. She's one years old. But if she were, I don't know, 30, this would be a real problem. Because we expect that our perspective is going to change, right? Here's a picture of me with my two little girls. This is the one that had the, the daughter, if you can imagine how time flies, right? And they're eating marshmallows. And I'll tell you a little story. I've told this story before, but it's really amazing. We were at the beach, and uh, Audrey had marshmallows, a little bag of them. And uh, I gave her the marshmallows, and I, I heard she was crying. You know, I was at, you know, I heard her crying. And so I go over, and her bag of marshmallows is gone, and there's like a 14-year-old boy who has her marshmallows and is sitting down by her, like has stolen her marshmallows. This face, they stole from her. And you can imagine, as a father, and as a, I can't speak for females, uh, but for males, this is no bueno, Okay. So I go to the dude, and I'm like, hey, brother, what's going on, man? Why don't you just hand those marshmallows over, and everything will be cool, okay? And he just looks at me and starts eating marshmallows, doesn't even doesn't say anything. And I'm like, I'm going to go to prison today. <laughs> wow. Woke up this morning, thought we were going to have s'mores, but I'm going to prison. And uh, so I'm like, okay, man, here we go. It's going down. I like, you know, I don't ever watch nature shows. You got the gorillas and like there's the big gorilla. That's me. And then the little gorillas try to like, you know, wrestle to see who's going to win. I'm going to win. Okay. I'm the big gorilla. So I said, one, I said I'm going to tell you one more time. 
you're going to hand those marshmallows over. And this lady comes running over. Can I help you? I said, uh, no, I'm good. I got it. And she says, uh, I said, is this your son? And she said, yes. I said, well, he stole my daughter's marshmallows. She gets down. She goes, hey, Trevor, Trevor, you have to give the marshmallows back. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> I'm the biggest jerk in the whole wide world. And she said, I'm very sorry. And she told me his story. And it changed my what? Perspective. Now I'm the jerk. Now I'm telling my daughter, give him the marshmallows. It's your problem. You don't have to eat all those marshmallows. Spoiled, entitled little brat. Come here, give me those marshmallows. Right? Because my perspective changed. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a couple more. This is my son, Jesse. He's wearing his beanie. He was in high school. And uh, a teacher came up to him when he was wearing his beanie. You're not allowed to wear hats or beanies in school. And so a teacher comes up and says, uh, you need to remove your hat. He says, I can't remove my hat. And uh, the teacher's like, you're going to remove your hat or you're going to go to the principal and you're going to get expelled. And so he removed his hat. And what the teacher didn't know uh, is that my son had just had brain surgery and his scar starts here and it goes all the way around his head and he got to my son while he still had his staples in so when he pulled off his hat now the, the thing is don't, don't you guys are all in shock my son loves this kind of stuff okay he's a teenage boy anytime he can shame a teacher it's like the best day ever so you know for effect you know he pulls it off oh 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 you know it's like it doesn't even hurt oh okay I get oh whoa is that okay the teacher's like put it back on put it back on right right all that happened was that the teacher's perspective changed right so one one last thing uh Lisa and I started watching uh the show 24 so for those of you who are young 24 was a show uh that we used to binge watch but you couldn't binge you couldn't stream it and so you'd wait for the DVD set to come out okay DVDs are these little plat okay anyway and so uh so everyone was talking about 24 I'm like I'm not interested whatever so it was like five seasons in Everyone at work, before I was a pastor, when I was in business, we used to talk about 24, 24, can you believe this? Can you believe that person died? All this kind of stuff, whatever. So finally, someone says, well, why don't you just watch season one of 24, right? So I'm like, sweet. So Lisa and I put in DVD one, you know, we've watched the first episode. We're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so we've watched the next episode and the next episode, because the whole thing is Jack Bauer has to save the world in 24 hours. And, and, and so you get the, you know, it's like 12 episodes or 24 episodes or whatever. And so uh, it's like two in the morning. And I'm like, honey, you want to watch one more? She's like, okay, we'll watch one more. And it got so bad that my wife would wake up in the morning and be stressed out like she needs to pray for something. And be like, I, need, I really feel like I need to pray for something. Oh, no, that's just Jack Bauer. Like, it was so, like, ingrained in our thing. And so there was one episode where uh, Jack has to go save his girlfriend. And there's a whole bunch of people in there. And they're like, Jack, don't go in there. You're outgunned and outmanned, you know. And I'm just like, yes, this is awesome. And so Jack's like, I'm going in, you know. And I remember thinking, I, I paused it. Because I couldn't handle the stress, right? And then here's the thought that came to me. There's another season. 
Like I'm five seasons behind. There's a really good chance Jack's going to get out of this. Because there's another season, right? Now, all of that to say this. This is what I'm hoping to do this morning, is to change your perspective. That you would leave this building, or if you're watching online, and you're ready to start your day after this sermon and all that, after you've meditated over it for an hour, to go, you know what? There's another season. It's not just the way it is today. That our Heavenly Father created us with a soul that lasts for eternity. And no matter what you're going through now, whether your marriage is tough, whether your kids are tough, whether you wish you had a marriage and you'd even take a tough one because you don't want to be alone, totally understand that. Maybe you're unemployed, maybe you're looking for a job, maybe you're looking for a car, maybe you're looking for whatever. What I hope that you'll leave today with is that there's another season. And it's eternity with your heavenly father. Now, for those of you who are new to the Bible or new to Christianity or whatever, you're thinking, oh, I want to turn my life around. For me to talk about eternity is, is tough to think about because you, it's like, man, I, yeah, but I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm just hoping that tomorrow when work gets hard or a relationship gets hard, you'll think, you know what? There's another season coming up. This is not the end. This is not all there is, that God has created us with a soul. So let's look real quick. We're going to be spending the majority of our time again in 1 Peter. Um, this whole series basically comes out of 1 and 2 Peter. Um, but this is how we, this is the main verse of what we talk about every week. The end of all things is near, Peter wrote 2,000 years ago. And then in 2 Peter, he's recapping everything he said in 1 Peter. And he says this, since everything will be destroyed in this way. In other words, since there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth and a new way of thinking and all this, they ask the question, what kind of people ought you to be? How are you going to live your life? Here's what I would just tweak this just a little bit and say, what should your perspective be since everything's going to be destroyed in this way? And what I'm hoping will just step a few steps towards is what we call in theology an eternal perspective. A perspective that this is just one season, that there's another season coming. Where we are with Jesus. So let's look at 1 Peter. We're going to start in verse 1 3. He says this Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, watch, he's, he's setting up the eternal perspective. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. So, right from the jump, eternity, your eternal perspective starts today. This is not like if I can just get through life, then I'll just go to heaven and oh, there'll be cherubs and I'll play a harp and I'll have wings and like godly huggies or whatever the diaper is or whatever, right? He says, no, 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 no. His mercy is great. He's given us new birth into a living hope today, a new perspective, a new way to see how we live our lives, a new way to look at life through humble joyful eyes into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In other words, when Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, 
He broke the power of sin and death, freeing us, freeing us, okay? So that's what, Pete, what Peter's trying to say. Now listen, this is the very beginning of 1 Peter chapter 1. So right from the jump, he's trying to tell his church, change your perspective. This is, this is the, 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 the lens in which you view everything. He goes on, he says, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. No matter what you're going through today, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. In America, we look at things like, oh my goodness, it's all going to die. We're all going to die. It's all going to crash. If you spend any time on Twitter, and by any time, I mean 30 seconds, you can find, the, the, in a new heavens and new earth, by the way, this is what I truly believe, uh, Twitter will just be like an encouragement post-it board. You'll just get on Twitter and it'll be like, it's going to be a great day today. Everybody's doing wonderful, right? So, but we're not there yet. And so he's trying to get them to understand this, that your inheritance, whatever you see on the news, whatever you watch on YouTube, if that's where you get your news and, your, and the algorithm has got you outrage after outrage, click here for your next outrage. Oh my gosh, I will, I will. And you're like a little monkey in a cage just clicking, clicking to get dopamine hits. Bump that. This inheritance can never perish. It's not under threat of the government or technology. Spoiler fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you for season two of your life. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Whether Jesus comes tomorrow, and I believe he absolutely can. Or he comes, whoops, and steps on the worship leader's microphone. Or he comes when we're all dead and gone, everybody in this room. It, it makes no difference. That salvation is coming. Season two is coming. Here's what he says. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Despite your circumstances, Peter is, not, Peter is ignoring their circumstances right now, which is persecution. This was when Nero ruled. As a matter of fact, I read a verse this week as I was just preparing and going over, and it said, pray for the emperor, Peter says. The emperor killed Peter. <laughs> Nero killed Peter and Paul. He was the one reigning. And Peter says, Pray for the emperor. The emperor, he says. That was Nero. That's his perspective. Bump this season one. Season two is coming. There's no reason to be upset. There's no reason to be afraid. Can we be angry at injustice? Absolutely. That's what Living Spring does. I appreciated what you said, Michael, uh, about Living Spring being working in the community. Yes, that's what we do. Why? You say, John, I thought it was all about eternity. No, no, no. This is the importance of being on this planet. We'll see it in just a little bit, what Paul says. He says, though now for a little while, <laughs> you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. You're being persecuted, church, is what Peter's saying to his church. Nero is lighting some of you on fire. We got that. But here's the perspective. We rejoice in this, though now we're we're suffering a little bit. He says, these have come 
so that the proven genuineness of your faith, in other words, difficulty, trials, all these things we go through, are an opportunity, an opportunity to have our faith refined, to go, you know what? I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. I'm going to let that wash over me and change my perspective of how I view this situation. It's of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. Whether he's revealed when you pass, which will happen, the death rate in America is 100%. I hate to tell you that. Can't get over it. Nothing you can do. Or it happens when Jesus returns. Either way. It results in praise and glory and honor when Christ is revealed. Some of us need to put this verse on our cubicle wall and go, you know what? No matter what happens today, there's a next season with Jesus. There's a next season. He goes on, though you've not seen him, which I understand is difficult, and this is why a lot of people, and maybe some of you watching online, you're kind of struggling like... I don't want to be one of those wacky Christians. I don't see Jesus. He's not around. I don't hear his voice. I, I totally understand that. Though you've not seen him, Peter's writing to his church, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, some of them in this church would have seen him. Isn't that fun? You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Why under persecution are they filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy? Because they have an eternal perspective, an eternal mindset. They're not just hoarding everything for themselves. They're not, what are my rights? What are my rights? What do I get? I deserve. I get this. Why don't, this is unfair. Why does this have to happen to me? Why do they get, but I don't get? All of that is put aside. For this inexpressible and glorious joy. You are receiving as a res uh, the end result of your faith. The salvation of your souls. And that doesn't just happen when you die. Salvation starts today. It's a perspective of my broken life gets handed over to my king. And I say, whatever you want, you do it. And it's freeing. It really is. So he goes on. Uh, talks about some things. Uh, and then in verse 17, he says this. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. So um, that picture of the, the marshmallows, the one on the left was Audrey. Uh, she's the one that has Annie, my granddaughter. And the one on the right is Emily, and she lives in Korea. Okay, so... In a few weeks, Lisa and I are going to Korea. And so I Googled on Korea, what will get me arrested in Korea? Because my biggest fear is that I go there and they go, why are you wearing sunglasses? You go to jail for 10 years. I don't know the rules in Korea. I don't know any of them. So I was like nervous, like, am I going to wear something or do something or say something that's going to get me in trouble? You know why? Because I don't live in Korea. Further, if I went to Korea and they said, hey, John, what do you think about who should be president of Korea or prime minister or whatever king? I don't know what's in Korea, but what, what would I say? 
I don't care, I don't live in Korea. Right, what if they said, oh, they just passed a law that this happens and this happens. I go, I'm out of here in 10 days. I don't really care. This is what Peter's saying. You guys, we're on this earth as foreigners, as strangers, as aliens. This is why it's so important that Living Spring, as a community, take care of the poor and the widow and the alien. Because that's who we are. When, when, when Jesus talks to the church of Laodicea in Revelation, he says, you guys, you think you're so rich and you got it all together. It's, it's like he's talking to America. Just read it with those, that lens on. He said, but you don't understand you're naked, you're poor, and you're wretched. And you're filthy. You don't understand that. This is what he's saying. Live out your time as foreigners in reverent fear. He goes on in chapter 4, he says this, Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator. So you might suffer on earth, but you entrust your soul to your heavenly Father in doing what is right. Next chapter, he says this, After you have suffered a little while here in, in season 1, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, this is on earth, confirm on earth, strengthen on earth, and establish you on earth. Why? Because there's an eternal perspective. There's another season that's been written. Jesus talks about what it's like when the world ends. And I love what he says to, to, to Christians, right? And this is not what we tend to say to each other as Christians, if I believe what I read online. He says this, in those times, people will faint from terror, right? Which you can kind of see that happening. Apprehensive of what is coming on the world. There's a lot of apprehension, a lot of outrage, a lot of uncertainty, Right? For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now watch what he says to us. When these things happen, stand up. Stand up. Lift up your heads. There's another season. It's all going to be okay. Now you say, John, you don't understand my circumstances. I, I'm totally on your side. I'm that's why we have community, is to help each other through situations. We don't just dismiss it and go, see you in heaven. I don't care that you're going through that heartache or that loss of that loved one. See you later. Who cares? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. But he says, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Season two is coming, and it's going to be awesome. Here's what happens to Paul. Paul has this eternal mindset and he's trying to write to the church almost as, he's almost bipolar as it relates to eternity and the present. He's just trying to figure it out, stumbling over all his words. Now, I took the liberty, as I often do, is I removed one of the verses of what he's saying and I put it at the end of what he said because I think he should have done that. But for some reason... I don't know. The Holy Spirit decided to do something different. But I, just forgive me. We'll see it at the end because it makes my point better. Okay. You can do that if you've been to seminary. All right. 
It's the first thing they teach you. Using the Bible for your own personal. Okay, now, Philippians 1.20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed. He's in prison right now. If somebody has it bad, Paul does. He's in prison, okay? That I won't be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ may be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And something clicked in his mind, and was, you could see him pacing around, because he probably dictated this to somebody who was writing, and he was pacing around going, life or death? Huh. Which one? Life or death? Listen, listen to what he says. Now, this is, I skipped a verse, but we'll get back to it. If I'm going to live in the body, that'll be fruitful labor for me. If I stay on earth, what does Paul say? I get to serve. I get to see Christ, like, change people's lives. And I get to watch people grow from that immature little Annie who takes everything and uh, everything's a dramatic thing and you took my binky and all that. I get to watch people progress in their faith to where they can handle anything. This is what Paul's saying. It's going to mean fruitful labor for me. I'm going to invest in the church. I'm going to invest in people. It's going to be awesome. And then he says, but then there's death, right? He says, yet what shall I choose? Do I want to die? Do I want season two? Or do I want to stay in season one? I don't know. They're both exciting. I don't know what to do. This is Paul. Bipolar Paul. That's not clinically bipolar. I'm just saying. Then he says this. I do not know. Like he truly doesn't know. This is his eternal perspective. He doesn't know if he should be with Jesus. Listen to me. If he should be with Jesus now in in all the difficulty that happens on earth, or to be with Jesus in eternity with his glorified body. I don't know. That's what he says. That's his perspective. This is the perspective that he wants for his church, that Jesus wants for his church. I don't know. He says, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Season two is way better than season one, right? But it's more necessary for you, that I remain in the body. I still have work to do here. I still have things to figure out. I still have people to help, people to serve, libraries to build, right? Little libraries, but they're libraries nonetheless. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. I'll be here. And all of us kind of know we're going to be here. We don't know. But we probably will be around for a while and we'll continue with all of you for what? Your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, will abound on account of me. In other words, I'm on this earth to bring attention to Jesus. That's why I'm here. Me personally, I'm a husband. I'm a dad, I'm an uncle, I'm a pastor, I'm all those things. The thread that goes through all of that is that my purpose on this earth is to point people to Jesus so that they, like me, can spend all of season two, three, four, five, six, and seven with him. That's what Paul's saying. And this is the verse that should have come now, but Paul made a mistake. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
Now, I might get struck by lightning for putting that at the end. But this, to me, is the whole point of what Paul's saying. If I'm going to be here, whether it's in prison, whether it's being persecuted or whatever, my purpose to be here is to draw attention to Jesus, to bring people to Jesus. To die, that's gain. That's all taken care of. That's an inheritance, Peter says, waiting for me. As Talia comes back up, I want to just end with a couple things real quick. Jesus was talking about this idea about understanding that we're here temporarily and that there's a kingdom of God that is supposed to be on the forefront of our minds. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold everything he had in order to obtain it. He goes on, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. I want to end with this. This week, uh, on Thursday, um, we have a gentleman in our church, Conrad. I don't know if you remember him, Conrad. That's Conrad. Thursday, he was washing his car. He got struck by a vehicle, succumbed to his injuries, and passed. This was a dude that got this whole sermon. This man would have been sitting in the back going like this the whole time. What he does or did for his life was just help people to understand what it feels like to be free. As a matter of fact, I, I got this, uh, both these pictures from his son, uh, Cody, and if we're going to take just a little bit of time to pray for the family. But this picture right here sums up Conrad to me. He, uh, Cody told me that uh, this was taken, he had ta uh, the boy, his two sons, he had taken them surfing, and he was just, they took a picture of him and said, what were you doing, Dad? And he said, I was just thanking the Lord for my boys. On this earth, understanding his role, and yet looking towards eternity. That was someone that got it. That got it. And while we mourn his loss, and we will mourn the loss of him being with Jesus, and the tragedy and the circumstances in which it went down, we know where he is. He's at home. He's in season two. I'm going to pray for us, and um, Tally is going to do an ending song for us. And um, uh, this is just a time to decompress. Uh, you can come and pray. We have pillows down on the hard concrete. <laughs> Not that the, our carpet is any softer than that anyway. But uh, we have pillows here. If you want to come and kneel. And um, uh, if you're thinking, man, I really want to come forward and kneel and pray. But I, I don't know. I, I feel kind of nervous about what people might think. Nobody cares. I know everybody here. <laughs> Nobody cares. So if you want to come and kneel and just kind of uh, take it as a posture of humility, you can do that. 
We have people at the cross who can pray for you if you have something that you'd like them to pray over. But I'm going to pray right now for just Conrad's family and friends. And then uh, uh, we'll end with this song and I'll come up and bless us. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we're just here for almost two hours of our lives in your economy. It's just so fast. Starting out as little babies and then growing up to be awkward adolescents. And then we move into whatever these next stages are. Ultimately, all of us, at some point, we'll have to look you in the face. And Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for Conrad's family, for his friends, for all the hundreds of people he has impacted, Lord. Would you comfort them in their grief? Lord, would you comfort us as a church as we truly lose one of the ones that had an eternal perspective. Lord, as we spend this last song just focusing on you, I pray that we would listen to your voice as you would move us and guide us and direct us. Give us an eternal perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing? I have a little trick you can use this week as you go into your week because what ends up happening is you, you listen to a, a sermon like this or whatever and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. All you have to do, something happens this week, maybe Tuesday your boss comes in and says, uh, you're not getting a raise, but I'm giving you more responsibility or whatever. All you have to do is take a deep breath and go, I can't wait for season two. <laughs> I can't wait for season two, right? Put it all into perspective. And now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you'd go in his strength, in his peace, and with his eternal perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.